Hello, and welcome to episode one of Common Thread, a podcast hosted by Stitch Up, a sustainable fashion magazine guiding you through your breakup with fast fashion without the guilt trip. I'm Clara, Stitch Up's editor and your host this week. Each episode will bring together experts and activists to discuss the hot topics of the day. So we're kicking off this week by looking at whether it is ever okay to wear plastic. Plastic fashion has turned out to be particularly timely this week because a new report has just found that almost half of clothes for sale on popular UK fast fashion websites are entirely made out of plastic. Our first guest this week is Lucy Siegel, a journalist and broadcaster who has worked with the BBC, The Guardian, Channel 4 and The Times on all things environment related. Lucy also has her own podcast called So Hot Right Now, which recently hosted Sir David Attenborough. So we're very, very excited and honoured to have her appear on our podcast this week. So have you always been interested in materials and textiles? Yes, absolutely. The first thing that happened for me was I went to India when I was 16 on a trip and I came across children who were hand looming carpets and they were six or seven years of age. And I was really, really shocked and horrified and all the rest of it. So that made me into an activist on, first of all, child labour and then living wage. And living wage is one of the things that I continue to campaign on for this day. I just never thought it was acceptable that textiles came courtesy of systemic poverty and cruelty and, you know, the ruination of someone else, another human's life. And then I worked in a textiles factory after I left university and I constantly was asking, where's this from? We used to get a lot of imported silks and different um, jacquards and woven fabrics. So I had a sort of simultaneous experience of being like completely obsessed with textiles and how they were made and how beautiful they were. And then also just an unease about the lack of transparency and the lack of understanding who the humans were behind the looms that spun the textiles and the, the, the materials that I had in my, in my hands, essentially. Oh, brilliant. And could you give us a quick overview of how plastic materials are used in fashion? Well, plastic materials have become synonymous with fast fashion, really. So fast fashion is a system of production, as you will know, um, and its characteristics have always been um, cheap cost, offshore labour, chaos in the supply chain. But all of these different things added up to a fast fashion product. And it is only really lately that plastics have become one of the characteristic of fast fashion, but they are now a dominant characteristic of fast fashion is that it will be made from a polyester fiber, a synthetic fiber, um, and sometimes a blend of plastics and naturals. Is the main reason that plastics have kind of taken over fast fashion is that for cost reasons? Yes, they're very, very cheap. It is extremely expensive and almost impossible, for example, to get organic cotton onto looms, hand looms, in a country like Bangladesh, which is why so few people have managed it. And one of the, one of the people that managed to do that was um, Safia Mini, who's quite famous within um, sustainability and sustainable fashion, who started a brand called People Tree. And I was there actually when the first organic cotton from India, from a cooperative in India, was put on hand looms that were worked by women, which was also pretty revolutionary, in um, a fair trade factory in Bangladesh. But that kind of stuff is really hard to do and is pushing against 
the prevailing winds which are favour um, plastic fibres and synthetic fibres um, across territories and they are cheaper not just because they're cheaper to produce it is because the plastic industry lobby and the synthetic textiles lobby are very very good at um, lobbying governments and getting what they need from trade both trade tariffs and other protocols whether it be within the eu commission or in other jurisdictions it's not just saying oh synthetic fibers are cheap to produce and cotton's expensive because natural fibers for fashion on any level we're talking about mass production all the time when we're talking about fast fashion which is part of the problem all of that fiber production natural fiber production is more or less done by impoverished enslaved people so that's also quite cheap to produce because we're not paying the cost of human labor and we're also not paying the environmental cost so plastics sometimes might be more expensive to produce but the trade tariffs and the other forces around global trade favor synthetics quite often. That's really interesting because that's so far removed from the consumer, like from you and me buying something in the high street. It's so systemic what's kind of promoting the use of materials that we wear every day. Oh, gosh, yeah, totally. And of course, you know, that's what marketing and sizzle and, you know, creative marketing and selling is all about I mean my god if you go into a shop and you're worried about trade tariffs then that brand has not done its job properly (laughs) Um, so what what are the main problems then caused by using plastics and clothing well they're an issue you know just in a very top line way because plastic there is no way so you know plastic something's going to be with you for 500 years i know there are different degradation times but most of which we don't really know because we haven't tested or tried out the different kind of cocktail of blends of synthetics and all the rest of it um and we're not always that sure about how blends natural and plastics interact with each other but what we can say with some certainty is that plastics are going to be around for a really, really long time. So it gives us a plastic waste problem. And if we viewed clothing as we do packaging, we would be very much more alarmed than we are. And there's no reason to view it any differently to packaging lots of the time because, you know, it's using similar polymers and the polymers are not going to degrade the other thing that we have to bear in mind with fashion is because i know a lot of brands are sort of making claims on circularity is that once you have a plastic in the mix and blended especially you you've lost both of those materials or all of those materials you cannot extract the plastic you maybe technically, if you used a load of enzymes and chemical recycling, it would probably take you about 42 years and, you know, $400 billion. So it's like, you know, it's not, it's not really possible to um, extract those fibres. That's so interesting. That's something I hadn't thought of because I do try and look out for natural fibres when I'm shopping. But you will see, you know, it'll say on the top of the product, like cotton. And then you actually look at the materials and it'll be like 25% cotton. But that's basically just as bad as having 0% cotton is what you're saying. Well, if you're thinking about how like, oh, that's great because that's they're going to be able to get that cotton back. then yeah. It depends how blended it is into the object. And you don't see many examples of modular pieces. I had a jacket, which I still have from a brand called CL, which um, is a Brighton 
Britonian brand or was in those days. And Sarah, whose brand that was the chief designer is a genius and way, way ahead of her time. She was designing for circularity in a modular way. So if she used a synthetic, a recycled plastic, that would be in the lining. And when it came to disassembly, you would rip the lining out. So remember, when it comes to recycling, most of what we're talking about is mechanical recycling, where you're going to have humans on the recycling, on the belt, on the sort, ripping off different bits, different, and they need to know what the fiber is really quickly, and they need to be able to dismantle it as you would any modular object. So unless an object, a piece of clothing is made in a modular way for disassembly, then it doesn't matter what the fibres are from a waste point of view at the moment, so, if you've got plastic in the mix. Okay, yeah. It, there's an Italian denim brand called Candiani, and they produce stretch denim for many, many luxury brands. And one of the guys who runs Candiani realised this early on, and his kind of central point was he was having lots of meetings about circularity. And he's like, it's not going to work, guys, because you've got synthetic, you know, for the stretch in with the cotton. Um, and yes, it was, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he kept saying, no, you need a different solution. And he found his own solution because he, as I remember, and I talked to him about this, he was in, <laughs> he was in a salami shop um, in, in his native Italy where he lives and he was like oh what does the salami come in because it's like wrapped and it's hung in a sort of like a there's a fiber around it and he found out what the fiber was it's a natural fiber and he did loads and loads of research and he basically is now incorporating that into denim to give it the stretch but it's natural so it doesn't hold biodegradability and he can claim back the cotton at the end of it because it's a bit like I mean recycling when if you go to a recycling plant you see this happen anyway they use magnets they use weight they use water and all the time they are separating material from material that's what recycling is like the process you go through all of these different belts all of these different parts of the facility and every bit is a sort and you've got to think how do we replicate that how do we get our natural materials back you know and and so basically he has developed a stretch uh, fiber that mimics the, the synthetic but falls away during the process so he can take the cotton back yeah so you you basically need to be thinking about the end of life of the garment before you actually design it you have to design yeah. in end of life yeah. but there is no end of life so yeah and it's really just a form of what people have tried to formalize like in france there's some legal apparatus around this but it's called extended producer responsibility so the brand, the manufacturer, the textile producer, they never cede responsibility for that garment. It's always their responsibility, that fabric. And then that in and, in and of itself lends itself to um, leasing or rental. Because if the producer's taking that much responsibility, why don't you just lease the garment from them? Because the real problem, the crux of the problem is, is when the consumer takes over responsibility for that garment, as you're alluding to, they quite often don't realize what the responsibility is. Exactly. And, you know, marketing and fashion marketing, marketing and branding, that's all designed to 
relinquish, like to separate you from the responsibility. And then it's people like me who are like banging our drum and, you know, shouting and screaming and trying to close the gap, which is why nobody wants to talk to us because it's very <laughs> boring for them. They just want to enjoy themselves. So this, this, it's, it's basically all of these things that are mismatched. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so talking about like recycled plastic then, because this is like a really big trend we've seen. There's lots and lots of companies saying, you know, our clothes are made from recycled plastic bottles. Like we've cleared up loads of ocean plastic and we're turning it into clothes. Um, how eco-friendly would you say that really is? The problem is that technically plastic is hard to recover and there is not much evidence that plastic is a circular material. So quite often these ideas that, or these schemes that, that are predicated on the fact that plastic is part of the circular economy, in my opinion, are doomed to fail or have a very rocky time because I can't see enough evidence that plastic is circular. Right, but do you think that that is kind of largely greenwashing at this stage? Like when, when brands sort of package this up and say, oh, our t-shirt is made out of ocean plastic, it, it's a little bit smoke and mirrors. There's a sort of new category called ocean bound plastics mm -hmm. where plastics are being intercepted in rivers and there is some truth to this so we now understand that rivers play a very important role in delivering plastic pollution to the oceans and that there are all sorts of um, problems for river ecology and we've you know riverine ecology is is not well understood and although the idea of gyres of plastic in the ocean has been mainstream rivers are still the poor relation so a project that talks about intercepting plastic in rivers and using that plastic, a lot of those rivers are in developing countries and using that plastic to create a self-sustaining project based on selling stuff made from that plastic. There's, a, there's um, an argument there that that is a transition project which is needed I think it raises awareness it raises capital it addresses the project on the ground it empowers people who are collect collecting that um, MPW mismanaged plastic waste so there's lots of things to be said for it um, a project that is just buying some random material that's allegedly from recycled bottles on the world market and well what value is that really yeah. if that if especially if that garment is not going to be in use for very long if it's like a really kind of high fashion garment right okay because we had actually come across in our research that some companies say that they're using uh, recycled materials but it actually might be virgin plastics and whether that's because that's been missold to them or because they're sort of deliberately thinking, well, nobody's going to find out, like, has that, is that something you've come across? Yes, yeah, certainly in the past, I heard a really terrible story. This was probably about 15 years ago about a plastic bottle factory actually opening up somewhere in China and feeding its plastic to the textiles recycling factory so that they could keep up with demand. Right. Um, but there's no consumer in, in between. So I suppose the first check and balance is to make sure that it's post-consumer waste. Mm -hmm. The second check and check, check and balance is to make sure that it is a properly evidenced scientific project 
such as the one I'm talking about in Rivers, which is actually contributing something to the conversation. And even though that's still really hard to, to manage. And then the third thing is, what is this displacing and what additionality is it bringing? So these are the, these are the sort of checks and balances that we insist upon in other sectors. And I think we need to have something similar for plastic waste in fashion, because otherwise people just make all sorts of claims. If our listeners do want to shop more eco-friendly, what can you as a consumer actually do? Ultimately, I would pay very little attention to things like indices, transparency indices, because I think they're fundamentally flawed. How often will that garment be worn? So that's really the thing that you have ownership of. And actually, that's the important thing. Are you buying this for 20 years? Because at this point, you need to be. So kind of buy less, wear what you have. Wear what you you have. have. And when you buy something, buy it to think, this is going to be in my life for 10, 20 years. Those are wise words indeed, Lucy. And thank you so much again for all your time and your insights on the podcast. So our second guests this week are two entrepreneurs who launched their sustainable activewear brand Kit Change in late 2020. All of their products, including sports bras, leggings and gym bags, are made from used plastic bottles which have been recycled into fabric. They both worked for the likes of Topshop and New Look before starting the business. So it's no surprise that Kit Change has already proved a massive success. Could you tell our listeners uh, your names and a little bit about what your roles are at Kit Change? I'm Emily. And I'm Vicky, hello. And um, we founded an activewear company called Kit Change last year. It's been a work in progress for the last two and a half years. It's done a lot of research and development on fabrics and garments and developed everything from scratch. So we've not bought any finished garments in at all. We've been to the, been to the mills ourselves and been to the factories that we've got quite long-standing relationships with, um, which is why it's taken us this long to get it to market. Could you describe a bit about like what sort of things you sell through Kit Change? I saw it's a lot of activewear, like leggings. Do you add, do other stuff as well? Yeah, we started off um, with quite a small product range because it was important to us to get it right and not just go off and develop loads and loads of different products. The quality and the performance of it is really key. The whole point of a sustainable activewear brand is that you buy the best you can and you make it last. You don't buy five pairs of leggings in the hope that one of them will be good so we narrowed it right down we found the perfect fabric and we do leggings in various leg lengths and fits in a wide size range which is another important part of our brand that this is active wear for everybody and we encourage you to wear it with what you've already got as well so we're not always trying to sell you a matching vest and the whole kit so if you need a pair of black leggings go and buy a pair of black leggings don't you don't have to buy a whole set from us so you've both worked in more like traditional fashion before launching Kit Change. Um, so what drove you to set up a more eco-friendly brand? So we, our experience, it's, it's been a long time. We've both worked for various high street brands in the UK and the US. And really on, a, on both of our travels, what we've realised is over the years, um, how damaging the fashion industry can be. And I think when you're in it, you don't realise how bad it is because that becomes your normal. But when you come to realise that factories are being squeezed out and things are becoming cheaper and cheaper and more and more, that it's something doesn't really sit right. That's essentially what happened to both of us. We realised that we couldn't really support it anymore. We've both got young girls. We didn't want either of them really growing up just buying a load of rubbish and chucking it away after they've worn it on Friday night. And 
you know, there's no excuse not to think about what you're doing anymore. Absolutely no excuse. So it was mainly about avoiding the waste that we know happens, supporting the factory that there's been a really, really long-standing relationship with who've struggled to continue business because they've been squeezed out price-wise. And then the last thing, really, the reason we decided to change was to have a bit more control about the kind of work we wanted to do, about the kind of decisions we wanted to make for a change instead of it's still not sitting right and both of us still having to do it because somebody else was in charge. We just felt that if it was our company, we could do what we wanted. We're developing product that we're proud of, which is really, really important. And I think after so long in fashion, it's quite nice to realise that you can change things. We're very, very small, obviously, in comparison to all the massive brands out there, but you can make a change. You can make a positive change whenever you want. Brilliant. And so the material you use in your clothes is recycled polyester. So how does that kind of work? Like, where do you get the materials from? Like, can you talk our listeners through the whole production process? Our fabric production and um, garment production is all done in China in one area, um, which, again, we're very honest about. That's where the processing of the raw materials is done on a commercial scale. Um, It's very developed out there. Our particular recycled polyester is made by taking used wastewater bottles, which is an important point, actually, because um, there's certainly a bit of greenwashing going on around people using brand new water bottles and calling it recycled polyester. So ours is fully certified. So it's got to be post-consumer water bottles. They're cleaned, uh, labelled removed, and then they're ground down into plastic pellets which are then extruded into polyester filament, which in turn is spun into yarn and then woven or knitted into the fabric. Another stage of it is the dyeing, which is quite difficult with the variability of the bottles that goes into the production process. Dyeing polyester that has been recycled is quite difficult. So the factory do this for us in their Ocatex certified dye plant. So that means that all of the chemicals that are used are not harmful and that the, any waste or effluent that's produced is dealt with in an environmentally sensitive way. So nothing is going out into the rivers that shouldn't be. So it's controlled all the way along the, the production process. The visibility all the way down the supply chain is very important for us, which is another reason why we, we set this company up to have control over that and know exactly where our stuff is coming from. And is that something that you think is kind of only really possible with a smaller company that sort of knowing where everything is coming from? In my experience, bigger companies try to do this by imposing audit systems and very, very heavy fines on people who don't comply. But I think that there are a lot of problems with this, with people buying their way into the system. I think it's very difficult in a bigger company to have that control. There are certainly ways of doing it. And I think if the people at the top really want it to be transparent and visible it can be but it needs to be done in the right way. So is recycled polyester more suitable for activewear specifically or is there another reason why you chose to focus on this specific type of clothing? Two reasons really. Polyester obviously is one of the most polluting fabrics there is. It doesn't biodegrade and activewear needs a certain kind of fabric performance to be fit for purpose. Most natural fibres they degrade, but they lose their functionality after a while. Either they start to smell or they start to stretch. And polyester has got its has got, definitely got its place in the active wear market. And because it's man-made, obviously, we just felt it needed an alternative. We're both quite avid exercisers. We do loads of different things. We box, we do all sorts. 
and I think when you come to realise how much of your daily wardrobe is, is taken up maybe with some kind of active wear, we should be looking to find a better alternative. And I'm not saying there aren't any alternatives out there. There are loads of lots of different fibres. Uh, but we just felt as if repurposing something that already existed that was waste was better for us and how we felt about the whole thing than still taking a natural fibre at this point that still had some issues with water or pesticides or whatever. And that's basically why we did it. So it, it, it was a two-prong attack on how much active wear we wear (laughs) and that therefore we could do better for sure we wanted it to be accessible on pricing Uh, it tends to be very very expensive and we tried to put ourselves in the mid-range of the market we didn't want to preach to everybody that here's what you should do but then make it very exclusive product because that's completely pointless also if we didn't make it accessible to most people then it just becomes another thing that people can't afford to or justify buying. Brilliant. And so we've heard a little bit from Lucy Siegel on the first part of the programme about the cons of using plastics as a material. So, you know, things like microplastics and water or a lack of recycling. Like, how conscious are you? Like, what steps have you taken to sort of minimise those negatives? Yeah, we're very, very aware of that. And we're very honest about it on our website as well. We don't pretend that this doesn't happen. So... First of all, to address microplastics, it's definitely a problem. One of the things we recommend on our website is to wash your clothing on shorter cycles and less aggressive cycles, which reduces the flow of microplastics. Also, if you've not had a particularly sweaty workout, maybe you don't need to wash your leggings on every single wear. I think people have become obsessed with chucking everything into the washing machine at every opportunity. Another thing that you can do is use a laundry bag, put your polyester garments inside, which is like a huge um, mesh bag. There are a couple of companies that do them, one called Guppy Friends, so you can wash your clothing inside those. There's also growing pressure on washing machine manufacturers to add filters at production stage to their washing machines, which would be a big help. So how about recycling? Could your leggings be recycled? After an awful lot of research, we decided to reuse the active wear as our very, very first option. So we partnered with a charity called Shareware, which has a campaign called Nowhere to Run. And they specifically need us and a couple of other companies to give them active wear that's still fit for purpose. So we encourage our customer base to send their old things to us and we deal with it for them. Both of us know very well that if you put it in the clothing bin outside Morrison's or whatever, it's going to be burned. No matter what people say about recycling or it's sold on to somewhere else to ship to somewhere and it's still burned. <laughs> so we wanted to be in control of that and have our customers realise that this is an option to move something on to a different life. And basically what we do is the old active wear that people are either too big, too old, sick of it, don't like the colour anymore, but is still usable, we give to the charity. And they basically give this active wear to women out there who are including poverty, who have no other option and can't partake in any kind of exercise because they can't afford it. And for lots of different reasons, that really, really appeals to us as a company from an ethical, moral and, and a recycling point of view, actually, as well, because it gives an item a second lease of life. So that was the first part of our strategy. The second part is we use a company called Sterex, which is a global recycling company. They're quite specialist and they basically repurpose proper waste polyester. 
they make it into filler, insulation materials. It's kind of downcycled rather than recycled, mm -hmm. but it's definitely going to be used for something else. So nothing that we sell or that we want our customers to use should really be going in a bin. Rather than waiting until there's a perfectly circular mm. system out there for putting mixed fibre polyester clothing back in, which is the ultimate goal, rather than sitting here and waiting for that to happen in 10 years, meanwhile, loads and loads more natural resources are being used up, loads more plastics going to landfill. Let's start by doing something about it, making this way of behaving more normal and then keeping an eye on this development. I mean, we're constantly speaking to people to see what the next stage is and looking at new, both in China, the people partners that we're working with out there, they've got some things going on there where they can produce polyester from scraps from the factory and put it back into the system. So it's not always just about plastic bottles. We, we are always looking at the next step in this massive long journey in terms of cleaning things up. And we, we didn't want to sit here and just do nothing about it because moving forward has got to be better than just sitting there um, and staying still. And how do you feel that customers react to, you know, the recycled bottles? Are they really on board with it? Do people ever feel a bit like, oh, I'm not sure about wearing a, a bottle? I think some of the reviews we've had that are credible, we've had women's running, stylists, um, we've had lots of articles that are actually health and fitness websites testing our products. And we've had five star reviews for the actual feel of the fabric. Mm. Um, we've been compared to lots of other premium brands out there. Um, I mean, we really did work on this for a good 18 months before we let anybody even see it. We've tested it. It's been properly mm. athlete tested. I think people are very, very surprised and delighted when they realise there's 16 plastic bottles in the leggings that they're wearing. And I think people are really quite genuinely surprised that it just feels like a normal legging. Yeah. <laughs> I think another important thing to realise as well about recycled polyester is, as well as the obvious benefit of diverting plastic bottles from landfill or incineration, it's also more energy efficient than making virgin polyester. So depending on which reports you read or which plants they're looking at, it uses between 30 and 50% less energy than traditional polyester production. And also traditional polyester is obviously from petrochemicals. So that's using up more natural resources. So we're not, by, by reusing the, the plastic water bottles, we're not depleting natural resources further. And we have one final question, which is something we ask of all our guests. What is your golden tip for our listeners for being both fashionable and sustainable? Slow down would be my tip. Stop buying, buying, buying and just look at what you've got. Restyle it, wear it again. It doesn't matter if somebody's seen you in it before. If it's your style, it's your style. And look at rentals as well. If you're going to an occasion and you don't want to be seen in a dress that you were seen at a wedding last year in, rent one. There are so many out there now. It's really a massive growing platform it's fantastic yeah i think buy good quality try and buy from at least an ethical if possible sustainable company if it exists i know that's they tend to be on the pricier side but i mean if you buy something that's good quality it will last longer and i think also you know fashion in itself is is fast we copy we look at a catwalk and we immediately rush to copy it in whatever is available at the time and maybe it starts needing to come a little bit more from the top, you know, and a little bit more responsibility 
there are some designers doing it obviously so McCartney but I think it lead by example as well you know if all that's available to you is a mm. cheap ripoff of something that you yeah. want to look like the responsibility has to start with maybe only doing one collection a year instead of four. Mm. Brilliant. Well, thank you all so much for coming on this episode and helping our listeners to make more informed decisions when it comes to all things plastic fashion. That's all for this week. But if you want to learn more about issues in fast fashion or simply be inspired by all the fun, sustainable options out there, head over to our website or follow us on Instagram and TikTok at stitchupzine. Feel free to drop us a message on our socials or reach out to stitchupmagazine at gmail.com. Thanks so much and see you next week.